Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hi, I'm Kristen Bulat and welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today we have Meg Muldoon, who is AVP of Advanced Markets at Penn Mutual. And Meg is here to talk about special needs planning, what you need to know, why Penn Mutual is a great natural fit for you, and how to really open up this market. Meg, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome, Kristen. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to talk through this because as we were preparing for this podcast, I realized there's a lot of things that I don't know about special needs planning. So it's going to be a great informative session. Um, And to jump right in, let's talk about why we need to do special needs planning. Well, Kristen, there is a significant need for planning that serves this market. This is a very large market that I think a lot of financial professionals don't really know about or perhaps don't know the right questions to ask. Um, When we look at some statistics, one in every 26 American families is raising a child with a disability. And 69% of those families are very concerned about being able to provide a lifetime of care for their dependent with special needs. So there's definitely a need for planning and for planning by knowledgeable financial professionals. What exactly do we mean when we say special needs planning? When we talk about special needs planning, what we're basically doing is making sure that a child with special needs or a child with a disability, and by child, that means uh, any parent's child. It could be a minor or an adult individual. But what we're talking about here is making sure that that individual gets the best quality of care for their entire lifetime. And we have to combine both some government benefits as well as family resources to ensure a quality of life for that individual so that they can have the best life possible with all of the available care that they need. And Penn Mutual really has, you've sort of stepped out as a leader in special needs planning, specialists in this space. Can you talk about Penn Mutual's specialization and unique capacity and why you're really passionate about special needs planning? Sure. So I'm passionate about special needs planning because my my mother and a group of her friends started a volunteer agency way back in the 70s. I'm going to date myself a little bit. And they created this organization to support parents of children with special needs. They recognized that the parents sometimes need a break, right? All parents need a break. But in particular, these parents who are dedicated to the care, and it could be physical, emotional care of these children, really needed a break. So they created this volunteer agency to raise funds to allow these parents to have an overnight or a weekend away, and also to provide a qualified caretaker to come in and stay with the family. So I, during my childhood, I spent a lot of time um, in fashion shows, attending bus trips with my mother, and being uh, taken along on on these adventures to raise money. So that's where I get my passion from it. From Penn Mutual's perspective back in 2018, we really recognized the need for our financial professionals to understand this market and to ask the appropriate questions and use the right language. So Penn Mutual has dedicated a lot of resources to promote both the awareness and education of financial professionals about this market. 
We have had several educational forums that consist of two intense days of understanding this market. We've also provided manager training and awareness training to to our field managers, as well as our home office associates. And we continue to have quarterly meetings with the 65 plus dedicated financial professionals who practice in this area and who really dedicate their practice to special needs planning. What about your underwriting team? I think you were mentioning that there's some additional knowledge and capacity that your underwriting team has. Yes, we do have a couple of dedicated underwriters to special needs planning, and they understand the importance of viewing the parents holistically and with the appropriate understanding that often these parents, uh, they may be seeing a therapist, they may be taking medication themselves. So it's important to look at it as the entire picture. And that's really where where a cover letter comes into play. It's extremely important for the financial professional to tell a story to the underwriter about the parents and about the needs, the financial needs of the child, the expectations of care, and how they arrived and quantified quantified the need for the amount of life insurance. So we have some dedicated underwriters who understand this market. Either they have a child or a loved one with special needs, or they just have a, a passion for the market. So they tend to get all of these cases so that they can be looked at um, in the appropriate manner. I, I know our underwriters here at Partners would be thrilled to hear you talk about the importance of a cover letter, but I can imagine that really helping your underwriter understand the case and the financial aspects of it really make it for a more successful case. Definitely. It's really important. You know, sometimes the need uh, for the child with the disability might exceed a little bit of the financial underwriting capacity of the parents. So if we have documentation that substantiates the reason to go a little bit above, right, um, then we can we can consider that if we have all the appropriate documentation. So this is not a market that maybe many of our producers have a lot of experience with. And it seems to me that the first place to start is, can you help us understand how do we talk about of someone who has special needs? How do we talk to the family? How do we just display the sensitivity and knowledge that we need to really help this family with their financial planning? Kristen, you hit right on it. The sensitivity and knowledge are critical. So when you, all financial professionals, when they're taking an application or going through a fact finder should always ask the question, do any of your family members have special needs? And we'll probably get a little bit more into that in a few minutes about what some of the concerns are if you don't ask that question. But if you're in this marketplace or you want to enter this marketplace, language is extremely important. You have to use first person language. You have to say a child with a disability or a child with special needs. It is um, the person is a child who is blind, not a blind child. It's really important that the person comes before the disability. They are not defined by their disability. They're still an individual. It just happens to be a component of of their lifestyle or, or their particular circumstances. So person first language is critical. It's also very important not to use victim language. For example, the phrase wheelchair bound, that is unacceptable. You need to make sure that you don't use that type of language. And finally, the financial professional needs to look directly at the individual and speak directly to the individual with special needs. If they are nonverbal, the parent will automatically jump in and tell you and uh, speak for that child or address uh, address you. But it's very important 
that you show both the child, again, minor or adult, and the parent that you're engaged with this individual and you see this person as a person. And how should the language change as that individual with special needs goes from a minor to an adult? That's that's where it gets a little bit um, interesting, I would say. And you definitely have to get some guidance from the parent themselves. The term special needs is a legal term and is very much part of the education system of IEPs and 504s. And from that perspective, that term is used almost across the board for any child who is a minor. When that child then becomes an adult, most individuals will then choose to use the word disability or disabled. So you have to sort of judge and and try out the terminology or just be honest and ask, would you prefer, I refer to your child as a child with special needs or a child with a disability. What would your child prefer? You could ask the child directly. If they're verbal, they'll let you know. That's a great suggestion. Thank you. And that leads us into the sort of the next important piece of it. As you said, special needs is a legal term. There's a lot of sort of legal webs to maneuver as you go through here, right? Because a lot of these individuals have government benefits. Can you help us understand just a little Scrape the surface of that piece of it for us. Sure. So most individuals with a disability will either be receiving um, Social Security, disability income, or uh, Medicaid. So they're on some form of government assistance program. As a result, they're limited to the amount of resources they can own, and that cap is $2,000. So they can't they can't own more than $2,000 worth of assets. They can earn a certain amount of money, um, but not too much money. And hopefully that'll be changed over time because there are a lot of children, especially children with uh, Down syndrome, for example, who are more than capable of working and earning an income. But you have to watch out for this $2,000 government threshold. So it's really important that any planning that focuses on the child with special needs is designed to supplement and not supplant these government benefits. So it's critical that you understand what the child's resources are and ask all of the important questions about the parent's estate plan, the grandparent's estate plan, because you don't want that child to inadvertently receive an asset that would cause them to no longer be eligible for their government benefits. And it's not just a financial impact, which clearly it is to to the child and to the family, but it could also be um, a lifestyle interruption. That child may no longer be able to go to that particular doctor or daycare. Uh, They may no longer be eligible to be part of a certain drug trial. So it's really important that financial professionals keep in mind that government limit of $2,000 and ask the right questions. One of the things that you were telling me about is that at Penn Mutual, you guys have a calculator. And one of the things that you help families and financial professionals do is balance the interests of the whole family and not just the individual with special needs. Can you talk to us about the calculator and how you do that? Sure. So we created a special needs calculator um, to help parents quantify the expenses and the need, the lifelong need for this individual. So we created it. It looks at medical expenses, care assistance, education, housing, transportation, recreation. Um, And what basically we do is we ask the parents to to provide the information on what those expenses are. They can be 
index for inflation, they can uh, phase in and phase out, right, depending upon different ages or, or categories. And then it arrives at an ultimate need, an amount that is needed to support that child based on all of those assumptions for the child's lifetime. And then that correlates to a life insurance death benefit that the parents can hopefully afford. We always make sure they can afford it um, and have that most likely owned by a special needs trust. So the calculator is a great stepping stone and a great tool for our financial professionals and, and their clients to use because it's you know very important to understand what those needs are, what those financial needs are for that individual because it is a lifelong need. And also the other component of it is once we figure out what the child's needs are, it's very important to also understand that 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 child will most likely be with the parents for their lifetime. And now we're talking about like a three-person retirement if we have a couple and, and a child. And we need to make sure that the needs of the child are also coordinated with the needs of the parents and the overall family needs in a more comprehensive type of financial plan. So we don't just look at the needs of the child with special needs in a vacuum. It needs to be part of the overall family dynamics and fi family financial situation. Because mm -hmm. often there are other children as well, right? Yes, um, there often are, are other children who do not have step have special needs, and um, but there are about a little over one percent of American families that actually have two or more children with special needs. So there's a there's a lot of of components and a lot of analysis that needs to be done in order to help protect all the family members financially. And if one of our producers is meeting with a family and they ask if there's some member of the family that has special needs and the family says, yes, what are some of the next questions that should be asked or resources available to this producer so that they can help the family navigate these, this financial plan? Well, I would say if that family member is an immediate family member, for example, a child, that would open up a very detailed discussion and, uh, again, has to be handled with, with understanding and compassion. You have to ask some difficult questions along the lines of, for example, life expectancy and, and medical needs and things like that. But that is the first question. If it's a child, then that opens up you know, more discussion. And if this financial professional is not um, well-versed in special needs planning, I would direct them to, if it were a Penn Mutual financial professional, to one of our 65-plus financial professionals across the U.S. to partner with because you don't want to lose credibility. And this is a very delicate market. And if you use the wrong language or the wrong terminology and you're you're not understanding of the parent's time, you know, Zoom has been great or virtual has been great for this marketplace because it gives you the chance to usually meet with both parents. At, it might be an odd time of day, but you have both of their attention and, they are, and they're both there for you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, maybe in several different meetings versus requiring them to have to leave their home and have someone care for the child. And usually in that case, it's only one parent. So the virtual has really helped. So I would encourage them to virtually reach out to one of the, our financial professionals to partner and learn more. And then maybe if they're interested to attend one of our forums or to perhaps get their designation from the American College, the Chartered Financial, um, the Chartered Special Needs Consultant um, designation or something along that. Now, if it's a more remote 
members. So for example, in my family, uh, we do have some members who have special needs, but are not my children. I would then ask the question, well, are you planning on leaving any assets to that child? Is that child somehow involved in your estate plan? Perhaps if you leave, for example, if I were to leave my assets to my sister, and in the event of her death, it passed to her children by right of representation or per sterpes, as it's used to be called, then her child, if that child were to have special needs, would then step into her shoes. And now I may have given more than the $2,000 resource and now rendered my niece or nephew ineligible for government benefits. So you need to make sure you find out sort of what the relationship is and ask about is that child named as the beneficiary of anyone's estate plan, anyone's life insurance, 401k, IRA, assets that pass by contract, and be really careful of that by right of representation or per sterpes, because that's where you can fall you know, into, into the problem with um, becoming ineligible for government benefits. That's a really important point that I think bears repeating that you know, even if there isn't an immediate family member with special needs, it's important to still ask the question because... A, other financial plans or distributions or gifts at inheritance could trigger a loss of benefits. And so we need to be mindful, even if it doesn't seem like there's a special needs person. Definitely. Um, we, uh, One of our financial professionals shared the story of, of a grandmother who thought she was doing a wonderful thing. She left her home to her adult grandson with special needs and said, this is fabulous. He'll have a place to live. He loves my home. He comes every weekend. He stays overnight. This is comfortable for him. This is perfect. Well, unfortunately, as a result, he was became ineligible for all government benefits. And the little twist is you can't disclaim. You can't, you know, even if you're the legal guardian conservator for that individual, you can't disclaim that asset um, to then, you know, have the child be able to continue on benefits. So that caused a major issue for the family. So that good intentions, you know, well-meaning gifts can can often disrupt the entire plan that the parents have put in place with a lot of guidance from both tax, legal, and financial professionals. So it's important that our producers ask the question and then reach out to Penn Mutual and your team and you know, get additional information so that they can be well-advised um, advocates for the family. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for bringing this really important topic to to our conversation. You're welcome. And thank you for having me, Kristen. It was great talking to you. Great to talk to you too. Take care. <music>